you know, it makes me think of the Hannah Gatsby's Nanette when she's like, where do all the quiet gays go? <laughs> you know? So I think for me, something that I've started learning recently and hearing other queer people speak is that pride is more about being the opposite of shame. So it doesn't have to be that it's a big expression, but it's just not feeling ashamed of who you are and how you move through the world. My name is Kat, and I'm a person living on Woiwurrung country and working with Midsummer Festival. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the lands on which this podcast episode was recorded, the Woiwurrung lands of the Kula Nation, and pay my respects to elders past and present. I would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which you live, work and play today, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We recognize the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Always was, always will be. The episode you're about to hear is with Dane. A queer woman from Geelong, Dane is currently working as the Regional Community Engagement Coordinator of the Victorious Pride Program at Midsummer Festival. A self-described quiet person who never related to the party atmosphere of traditional pride celebrations, Dane talks about her creative practice, wearing clothing she can cartwheel in, and using fashion to help accept her identity. First feeling queer at university, she talks about how the passing of the Marriage Amendment Bill in 2017 made her realize just how important the legalization of gay marriage was to her. Say hi to Dane. My name's Dane Reed, and I use the pronouns she, her. Uh, I'm the Regional Community Engagement Coordinator for Midsummer Festival. What drew you to working with Midsummer Festival? I suppose I was drawn as a queer person. Um, I've always loved engaging with the festival uh, as a patron. And so I saw I'm friends with Ash, who's my boss, and I saw her put up that she had a job and I was like, I would really like to be around some more queer people and, yeah, get to be involved in a project that I think is really cool. Have there been any particular things that have stood out for you in terms of your own learning and being faced with things that you didn't think that you would be? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I think for me maybe I haven't really done a lot of festival work before, so I think it's been interesting just to manage... uh, how it is energy-wise in terms of, like, having things kind of slowly happen over time and then suddenly it gets, like, a big jolt of energy and, yeah, things happen very quickly uh, once you're kind of in the thick of it. What's been the highlight? I think, to be honest, the highlight of this project is the Pride Finder because, um, yeah, I think it's so important to get to go around and capture this history and these stories of queer people who often can feel quite isolated or kind of pushed to the side, forgotten about in regional centres in particular. So yeah, that's been a highlight for me and I'm excited to kind of see what comes out of it and what stories we get. Why do you think it's important to have festivals like this celebrating queerness and diversity? Yeah, really it's about visibility, I think. I think it's whether, you know, one person comes or 20 people come or 200 people come. It's about having those people know that there's a safe space for them and being able to see themselves reflected in performers or in the programming. Like, 
and just to know that there's somewhere that like it's okay, even though a lot of the world is kind of becoming more and more like that, I think it's still really important to have, yeah, get to bring the whole community together. You spoke about one of the highlights is this particular project, Mm. going around the regions, collecting stories because you think that's important. Some people's stories haven't been told. Do you feel that you can relate to that personally with your own story? Yeah, I think so. I think for me, I kind of had a bit of a flick switched, I suppose, (laughs) once I got to university where I suddenly was just like, oh, I'm just queer and people just know that I'm queer and that's okay. I didn't really have too much of a coming out, I guess, once I hit that point. But I also didn't really have a coming out story (laughs) when I was first discovering it either. So I suppose for me, I do feel like that part uh, hasn't necessarily been shared or spoken about very often. Or even if you do talk about it with your other friend groups who aren't in the queer community, then yeah, it can sometimes feel like you're sharing this story and they're kind of like, oh, that's full on, but they maybe don't really understand the scope of it, I guess. So, yeah, I think so. And have have you always felt free to express yourself? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I think when I was younger, I, I don't know if whether it wasn't that I felt free to, but also just not knowing, I suppose, whether this is what it was or you know all of that is it a phase thing or is it is it just that like I see women I'm like oh I want to be like you <laughs> you know is it just that feeling or is it that I'm attracted to you or yeah I think sometimes it was just a bit confusing about whether it was real I guess. And was there any particular thing that happened to make you feel like you could be free? in being who you really are. Yeah, I think I think definitely when I got to university, so I went to um, VCA, the Victorian College of the Arts, which is, I suppose, a pretty queer-friendly space. Um, you know, there's a lot of queers there. So I think that once I was there and I was seeing other people do it, then I was like, oh, OK, and it's not a big deal in that space. So I was like, all right, well then, yeah, I can just be that too and that's good. Were there any particular challenges that you faced in doing that? Yeah, I suppose mainly for me it was personal challenges, I guess, in terms of feeling safe to do it or feeling, I think you often also get these feelings of like, oh, I don't know if I'm like queer enough to get to be a part of this as someone who, you know, has had a lot of queer sexual experiences or has been in that community like very actively then you often get this kind of imposter syndrome of like, oh, like I think I am, but I haven't really got much experience. So like, can I be a part of this community? So yeah, I think for me, it was a lot more kind of mental barriers than physical safety, I suppose. Were your family supportive? Uh, Yes and no, (laughs) I suppose, by that pause. I think it took them some time to get used to it. I think when it was first kind of brought up, it was a bit of a shock and, yeah, I suppose I was raised in a quite religious setting so, you know, there's often a bit of uh, uncertainty about whether that's okay and all of that kind of thing. But my family is also very openly will talk about it being okay but I didn't necessarily feel that 
for a long time. Did it take some time for you to get the courage to bring it up and and have that conversation? Yeah, well, I suppose I kind of alluded to I didn't really get to have the conversation, which was, um, I suppose, what made it a bit difficult in terms of, yeah, I was kind of outed more than I got to come out. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that choice was kind of taken away from me a bit. So then it was hard to kind of manage. It felt like I didn't have control of the narrative, I suppose, because they had already come to their own conclusions or assumptions. What would you say to others who are having similar experiences or challenges about expressing to their family or friends who they, yeah, who they are? Mm. Yeah, I guess I'd just say, like, it's really hard <laughs> and and that's okay and I don't, yeah, I don't think there's value in diminishing that or, you know, like, I think it's important to say things will get better and you'll find your place and all of that. But also, like, these are the relationships that really shape you and it's okay that it's really painful if it's not feeling quite as supportive as you want it to be. So, yeah. And things will get better. <laughs> and, you know, you will find your niches and your community and I think that that's what, yeah, this kind of festival or visibility is about to, is letting people who might be a bit lost or not finding their place have somewhere to go. What about messages for people who are receiving that news? What would you, if you could talk to those people, what would you say? Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> hard. Uh, I don't know. I think I'd just say, like, it's not about you. <laughs> like, as bad as that is, it's... Um, you know, if someone shares this with you, it's because they trust you and they value your love and your opinion and all of that. And it doesn't change who they are. You've just, like, all that you have to do is say okay and accept them and love them. Like, that's, they're not asking anything else. You can keep your beliefs, you can keep everything that you have established. You just need to keep loving that person. That's it. And just to listen and to give that person time to, you know, you don't, they don't have to come out all at once or express everything in that one coming out story, sit down session, whatever that is, but letting them have time to kind of do it slowly or at their own pace or, you know, however that plays out for that person. There's no right or wrong way to do it, I think. So as a younger person in the community, do you feel... Looking back over history and what people have gone through, do you feel do you feel society has come a long way? Yeah, I think so. I think especially for me, you know, looking back at, you know, the decriminalization and marriage equality and all of that kind of stuff. Well, obviously not marriage equality, but things before that, a lot of that and a lot of the kind of hatred and negative stuff did happen before my time, which is really lucky, I suppose, but also just because it wasn't happening while I was alive, like, you still feel it, I think, as a queer person. Like, that history is still very much a part of our story too. Obviously not to the same extent if we didn't experience it or go through it at the time, but, you know, we still learn about that in school or something and you still have that, like, oh, there was a time when this was really bad, so maybe those beliefs are still out there or maybe, you know will go back to that or, you know, I think it definitely still embeds a lot of 
fear or a lot of just a sense that maybe, yeah, all of that judgment around or maybe this isn't okay or this isn't normal or, you know, all of that stuff. I think it still plays into it a lot, but I think we definitely are on the right track in terms of progress and things are getting a lot better, like even in my lifetime, you know, like when I was growing up in school, I wouldn't have felt at all comfortable to share this part of myself. But now I'm like in most places, yeah, like I feel okay too. So I think that that's pretty huge over Mm. my lifetime even. Mm. But I guess too, even to say in most places, like, yeah, I guess there is still that kind of prejudice and stigmatisation which are things that are still being carried and dealt with, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, totally. And there's still definitely times when you'll kind of test those waters. If you're in, like, a new social group or something and you're like, I'm not going to fully say, you know, my girlfriend, but I might say my partner and then use gender non-specific pronouns and see how people react or, you know, slowly kind of drip-feeding things to check that you're kind of safe, even though I don't ever expect that I'm going to be put in a really unsafe situation anymore but it's you you still are on alert I guess every time you're in a new environment. Where were you when the marriage equality vote was announced? I was in Melbourne at the at the town hall I think that they did the big announcement so there was a big gathering of people there Um, they had like all the radio stations and there was just like a massive mob of people I'm pretty sure it was town hall anyway wherever it was in the CBD of Melbourne I was there I went by myself and I remember just being so surprised that there were so many people there like that was really cool and then I remember I don't remember exactly like how the broadcast was happening or how it was announced but I remember that there were sound issues and the sound kept cutting out and so we just kept hearing like little bits of the vote and everyone was just like so silent and trying to listen so hard and then there was kind of this eruption of like, oh my God, and then we were like, no, but did we hear that right? Like, I'm not sure that that's what they actually said. And then eventually it just kind of went over the whole crowd that it was a yes and there were people on the mics being like, you heard it right, that's what it was. And, yeah, I didn't expect to get emotional at all. I'm a pr- I'm pretty, you know, even-kilted person and I just started crying so much. I was, yeah, it was the first time that I realised, I guess, how big of a thing it was for me. Like, I, you know, I didn't have a partner. I wasn't thinking about getting married. I wasn't any of those things, but it was just, yeah, it felt like such a big thing of acceptance from outside the community. What does pride mean to you? Oh, pride. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a tricky one, I think, because, yeah, I think for me, pride, it feels so energetic and it feels so active of, oh, I have to be really out there and proud and marching in sequence. And, you know, it has a lot of that connotation to me, but I don't necessarily relate to that big 
gay party party vibe, <laughs> which I suppose often can with like big events that have the pride kind of tag. You know, it makes me think of the Hannah Gatsby's Nanette when she's like, where do all the quiet gays go? <laughs> you know? So I think for me, something that I've started learning recently and hearing other queer people speak is that pride is more about being the opposite of shame. So it doesn't have to be that it's a big expression, but it's just not feeling ashamed of who you are and how you move through the world. What does a perfect queer world look like to you? Ooh, is it a world where there's only queers? Because that (laughs) sounds great. (laughs) I guess, um, yeah, it depends if we have to be integrated, which I suppose we should be. We should let everyone in. I think that that's the point of a perfect queer world. Um, But I, I suppose it's, yeah, it's where the queer things don't have to be on the side or on the fringe or have special things dedicated to them. It's just a part of our social fabric, I guess. Who is your fairy god gay? I don't know if I have a fairy god gay. I think I think because I automatically assume that that needs to be someone who's a lot older and wiser than me, which I don't really have one of those, but I think my like key queer person in my life who I saw and was like, that means that I can be like that and was so comfortable in their sexuality and how they presented themselves is um, my dear friend, Joe Noonan, (laughs) who was actually at the marriage equality announcement and I hugged him. Yeah, I think he was a key person who I met at university who from day one, he was just like, this is who I am. This is how I appear. And I'm sure that he wasn't feeling that inside. Like I know that he has all of these struggles too, but to see the way that he moves through the world and the way that he embraces everyone in the community, out of the community, and he doesn't change who he is. He's the person that I'm always like, one day I'm going to feel that secure and that amount of not shame, pride, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I think he's the one for me. Does he know that? I don't think so. (laughs) I guess he will. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And are you there yet? I don't think so. No, I think I've still got a fair way to go in my pride journey. Yeah, I think particularly at the moment, I'm just, I feel like I'm kind of hitting my head against a brick wall in the dating world it just feels so hard and so that naturally leads you down those rabbit holes of like it's because this is wrong it's because I shouldn't be doing this like it leads you down all of those places and yeah which I think is it's just that path more trodden or whatever but yeah I've still got a lot of work to do I think but I'm slowly (laughs) chipping away at it (laughs) getting there and there's days there's days where I'm like yeah this is awesome I'm great and there's days that aren't as much that but you know slowly over time I think that just develops have you got any things that work more than others Ooh, I think something that I really lean into that makes me feel more like secure and like feel myself is my fashion (laughs) I think when I dress more queer yeah like I belong in this space like I think that that's definitely something that I lean on 
What else? I mean, having a good psychologist, you need it. <laughs> it really helps um, to, you know, get through. But Tell me about your queer fashion. What does that look like? Oh, I think, yeah, space buns in my hair, for sure. Um, I don't know. I think I like... Yeah, I don't know. I like things that are just fun and vibrant. I like colours. I like textures. I like great Australian-designed patterns. I tend to like, you know, pants, like a wide-leg jean (laughs) and then, like, a fun T-shirt. I'm just starting to get into earrings. It's taken me a long time to get my earring game to be okay. I think because I had shaved my head for a period and then I had a bit of femininity crisis. So I was like, I need to wear big earrings. (laughs) So I'm kind of getting into that a bit. I think it's about wearing things that I feel comfortable in and that I'm like, yeah, I can do a cartwheel in this. I can, you know, climb up a ladder in this. I can, you know, do whatever the day throws at me and I still feel great, yeah. If you could describe yourself in five words, how would you describe yourself? Oh, man. Um, (laughs) I think I would describe myself as... uh, I think that I'm pretty sensitive or, like, compassionate. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I think that I'm uh, crafty. (laughs) I think that I'm... uh, I think that I'm pretty quiet, but I also have a lot of feelings and things (laughs) to give. (laughs) I think that maybe that's many words. (laughs) There's some keywords. Some keywords. There's a couple of ones. This podcast is released every Tuesday and Friday and could not have been possible without the support of our local community partners, Midsummer and the Fair of Victoria portfolio of the Victorian State Government. Throughout this series, you will hear firsthand the successes, hopes, dreams, fears and struggles of diverse members of our community. Pride Finder, the Rainbow Road Trip was a travelling project commissioned during the 2023 Midsummer Festival as part of the State Government's initiative, Victoria's Pride. Helen Thomas, an award-winning creative audio producer, journalist and queer ally, developed a mobile story studio with the purpose of encouraging connection, cultivating empathy and preserving people's experiences. As much of Victoria's queer history relies on verbal recount, Midsummer, Helen and the Pride Finder connected with regionally living LGBTQIA plus Victorians to help capture their unique stories. These conversations are frank, honest and reflect the language, thoughts, history and opinions of the individual. Views may not be shared by Midsummer or the Victorian State Government. Please keep yourself safe and refer to the show notes for specific triggers related to each episode. If something in this podcast has made you feel uncomfortable or brought up challenging feelings, please seek support from a loved one or from one of the helplines listed at the bottom of the show notes. 